0: Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash for the love today and get 10% off your first month. That's com slash for the love. Have you ever noticed how celebrities have brighter, whiter looking eyes? Their makeup artists have a little secret in their kit. Lumify Redness Reliever Eye Drops. You guys, I use these So whether you're on set, on a date, or running on just a few hours of sleep, you can have eyes that look brighter and wider with Lumify Eye Drops. And when you try it, you'll see that it is what your eyes have been looking for. So check out lumifyeyes.com to learn more. This episode discusses mature themes that may not be suitable for young listeners. Hey everybody, Jen Hatmaker here, your host of the For the Love podcast. You guys, welcome to the show. That was me like licking my finger and like doing the fire hot symbol. Because right now we're in a series called For the Love of Sex. We just don't talk about this enough. We don't parse it out enough. We do sort of a, a cursory treatment, right, of sex, just like at the highest level. But I'm like, let's really, let's... Let's dive in here. Let's give this some attention. Let's spend some time on something that really matters to all of us and we just don't talk about enough. So, this week's episode, we are leaning into pleasure. And I wanted to get a little bit of a different take on this topic related to sex. So, I don't know what you think of when you hear sexual pleasure. I think a lot of us immediately go to, Let's focus on our imaginations or we think we need to consult an instruction manual about the anatomy and like, where's the G spot and what are the techniques and what are the tactics and, you know, what are the positions like some mechanical aspects, right? Of pleasure. But I think there's some really important stuff to unpack here, particularly for women when it comes to the mind body connection and sex. So like if you've ever been at a loss for words, if anybody ever asked you, what turns you on? Just stick around. Like if you've ever felt maybe even a lack of agency in bed because you can't figure out why everything feels like some sort of pre-orchestrated dance somebody else wrote, just stick around. Or if you've ever just been scared or nervous or embarrassed to look at what makes you experience desire. I mean, I'm going to say it again stick around. So according to a study done by OMG Yes, which is a sex education platform and the Kenzie Institute, 90% of women use their imaginations to get aroused. I mean, that's a pretty decisive percentage. Our guest today likes to say it this way. She says the brain is the biggest sex organ and everyone can benefit from expanding their sexual imagination. So like when we say we want better sex or more connection with ourselves and our partner, it can begin and actually does begin with allowing our minds to deliver the framework and the safety and the fantasy even of what that might look like. I mean, it's a pretty incredible entryway into feeling more pleasure in your body and in your bed and with your partner. And so I want to take this idea of pleasure one step further today and examine what is the erotic? Like, how does embracing the erotic give us power? Particularly women who feel disconnected from their joy and even intuition, like all the mind and imagination stuff that really matters. In this interview, we reference actually the essay of Audre Lorde, The Uses of the Erotic, and that has influenced writers and thinkers of the last five or six generations. I mean, really though, how does embracing our individual, like preferential eroticism make us better lovers, but also better caregivers and friends and partners and leaders? Like if the brain is the biggest sex organ, why would we only assign it to the logistics of our lives? Like childcare and emails and life management, right? when it exists for so much more and is the engine behind a much more satisfying sex life, right? It's not just a computer to keep our lives running. It is it is the gateway toward the deepest possible like sexual pleasure we could have. So I, I think we have it in us to enter a different relationship with our imagination that serves ultimately like our deepest selves and our partners. Our guest this week has spent tons of time researching women and how they've experienced and expressed their sexual pleasure. And what she found led her to create a company with her business partner that delivers audio erotica in absolutely consensual and affirming ways for sexualities across the spectrum. So let me explain what I mean by this. Today we have Gina Gutierrez. She co founded a company called Dipsy, D I P S E A, with her friend to address a gap that she saw in how women interacted with their own sexuality and pleasure. So, after tons of research, and we're going to talk about this, she began to see an opportunity in helping non binary and female identifying people bridge the gap between their minds and physical pleasure through erotic audio stories. Like the quickest shorthand I could give you right now, because she said this a few minutes into the interview. It's essentially taking the power of like sexy romance novels, you know, like our mom's read that we still read, that whole genre of books that women have absolutely loved for for decades and innovating that into sort of today's modern world. So that's kind of the idea. Like if you can get into your brain, kind of sexy romance novels. What does that look like in a completely different format? So that's sort of where we're at with erotic audio stories. So Gina presented these ideas actually at a TED Talk last year that Bill Gates also presented at, by the way, which we'll link to over at jenhatmaker.com. And it was in her TED Talk, she's illuminating the connection between imagination and arousal in women's minds. And then obviously Dipsy, her app has been highlighted in major publications and documentaries, including Netflix's The Principles of Pleasure. And what it does is it offers a safe and ethical way for all of you, but particularly women, but all people alike, to find out like what turns you on, and to fire up your imagination, knowing that that is the greatest engine to a really satisfying sex life. I love this conversation, you guys. You are going to be really interested to hear everything she has to say and teach us and offer us. And I would just love to see this normalized, right? And demystified and even celebrated and championed that we get to prioritize our own pleasure. Isn't that great news? So you guys, I'm so excited to introduce you to Gina Gutierrez. Enjoy our conversation. You're going to love this one. Okay, Gina, welcome to the For the Love podcast. I'm just absolutely so excited that you're here. This conversation is going to be amazing and I cannot wait to have it with you.
1: Likewise, I've been looking forward to it all week.
0: Okay, well, let's just start here. I've already told my listeners a little bit about you, but can you take just a few minutes? I guess, really, a little bit of an origin story. Like, how in the world did you become passionate about essentially? unlocking and demystifying pleasure for women. What was your on-ramp here? Because this wasn't the work you originally started at the beginning of your career. How'd you kind of get
1: here? Totally. So neither my co-founder or I had any experience or background in sexual wellness. We weren't clinicians or researchers. And I think it's interesting because people expect that there must be some long legacy of background to start a company like this. That makes sense. But we were both women and we were both friends and we were listening to our friends. And it was pretty clear to me back in college that we had these scripts of what we thought sex was that were really holding us back from satisfying sex lives. And I have this like one memory that is ringing in my head still. My best friend came back to her dorm room, we were sophomores in college, and she said she'd had a pretty disappointing experience with someone who she really loved. Why? And I asked, what were you thinking about during sex? And she looked at me and she was like, huh. <laughs> mm, yeah. I don't I don't know. Mm-hmm. And that moment really resonated with me forever, which was, wow, we, her memory of it was just bodies. And so I think like early on, it was really clear to me that our understanding of sex is way too limited for it to be really enjoyable to us. So that was kind of banging around in my head for a long time. And then I met my cove Underfay, and we were just surprised that we lived in San Francisco. We lived in this community of kind of curious, intrepid women who'd gone West. None of us were from the area. Like we were all, you know, open-minded. We talked to each other about what sex toys we used and no one had an answer to the question, like, where do you go to find something that's sexy? Like, do you have a website that you like? Do you have a book that you like? I had one friend who had the same book dog-eared from the 12th grade still in her nightstand. Oh gosh. gosh. Uh (laughs) Uh The answers were grim at best. And that just seemed like the, the options were so limited for what the demand clearly was. And so we started talking to our friends more and it just, you know, really seemed obvious to us that the Internet kind of read as a scary place. Like you could find some things, but you had to probably encounter a lot of things that didn't make you feel so good to get there. And a lot of people have just given up. And this idea of just giving up on what's possible to make you feel good and excited and make you want to turn towards your partner versus away from them or whatever it means to you. That felt like such a loss, and so Faye and I just got really hooked on this idea, and it really came together around her kitchen table. We were talking until three a.m. So many nights, like we were two, you know, two bottles of wine deep, and our friends were like, "We're going to go home now. You two can keep talking about this." And so, you know, my my co-founder's background is in is in macroeconomic research. <laughs> She's a software engineer. She's I mean, a data nerd. In the world, yeah, exactly. What in the world? And my background was in experience design, and I was like, I think. We need a brand that makes people feel safe. And she was like, and I think we need a product that really helps people find exactly what they want. And we were like, okay, we can make this happen.
0: Do you think that the void in the market here, as you were sort of workshopping it around the the 3 a.m. table, is because primarily any sort of erotica or sexually themed content is both
1: geared toward and created for men? Is that the problem? So it's important to note that there is a huge legacy of erotica for women that works great, which is romance novels. They just hadn't really like cracked into the younger generations. So there there was this existing space that Faye was obsessed with for a while, where she was like, oh my God, like romance drives the publishing industry. Like the publishing industry would be dead without romance. Like that cannot be understated. So there's kind of two things that's happening. It's either sex is like super safe, silly and feminine, which men are like, that's cool or sex is like super intense and graphic and raunchy and male gaze. Those are the two versions of sex that we were seeing. And there's really nothing in the middle.
0: So give us a little background here then. You decided to pull the trigger. The two of you were like, we can do something. We can can split the gap here. We can find it. What sort of research did you then undertake around sexual pleasure and all the findings that came with it that ultimately, of course, turned into an entire audio app to help women essentially find out what turns them on.
1: Totally. So it's, First of all, worth noting that there is such an abysmal lack of research on sexual pleasure specifically, because I think pleasure is still seen as the space that's just not worth a researcher's time. And so if you see like where the grants are going, it's not going towards sexual pleasure. I can tell you that. Like, I was recently on a documentary that Netflix put out called The Principles of Pleasure. I highly recommend it. It was the first time I've ever seen a researcher talk about the connection between masturbation and falling asleep. There's one study mm-hmm. on that one. Gosh. <laughs> Even though wow. anecdotally you ask 10 women about that and they could probably all tell you there's some connection. And so there's like not a lot of good research. I think what Faye and I did was we took these little disparate pieces of research and we were like, okay, if you put your arms around them, they're telling a pretty compelling story that no one's ever like told before. And so it wasn't that we had this treasure trove to look at, but rather we had these little pieces and we we're like, we think these are connected. And so some of those things were, there's a book called A Billion Wicked Thoughts that at this point is probably, feels old if you were to read it, but it basically looked at AOL search data. And they were like, okay, let's say that what people, people are more honest with their search bars than they are talking to you. So you could put a thousand people in a room and say like, what do you desire? And they'd probably give you a different list than what they actually type into their search
0: That's bar. a great point. hmm
1: So that like honesty factor was huge in this book and they found that there were differences between what men and women were searching for men were more likely to search for something graphic they were might they might be interested in long legs they might be interested in a certain body part looking a certain way or a certain sex act and women were much more likely to be narratively driven so I want to know what the backstory is I want to have some sort of dynamic that I think is fun between them I want a story about a duke Right. And so there's a split there between like narrative and graphic that was clearly some sort of preference difference, whether that's biological or acculturated, hard to know, but but there. And you know, really interesting to see that the romance novel space hadn't really connected with younger users. So that was really interesting too. It really skewed older. So it was really working for women, but older women. And Faye and I were like, huh, like there probably is something to be said here about, you know this space being like a white space, like an untouched space from innovation, not because there's a, a lack of demand from younger women. Like we, we didn't buy the whole like young people are having less sex. We're like, okay, maybe you're asking the wrong questions. It's like saying like millennials don't like, we don't know how millennials are going to vote. It's like, you're calling them on the phone. They're not going to pick up the phone, <laughs> right? That's it's right. like the wrong method. <laughs> That's
0: right. Totally.
1: So we were like, we think that the lack of innovation here is because men aren't investing in innovators in this space. So again, like we're like trying to pull these pieces together. Like, is this true? We hope this is true. We believe this is true. And we're huge devotees of Dr. Emily Nagoski. I'm sure you're familiar with Dr. Nagoski, but I've had her on the
0: show three times.
1: Amazing. Devotees, big fans. And she wrote a book called Come As You Are that was one of our Bibles. And it talked, it gave women a really functional framework for understanding how their sex drive might be different than they thought it should be. Again, because of male gaze media. And it was like, wow, maybe you don't have low libido. Maybe you don't have less of an interest in sex than you thought. Maybe you just, you function differently than you thought. And maybe actually products, experiences, and stories that made you feel more comfortable and like made your brakes less, I don't want that. Like stop slamming your brakes so much could make you relax into pleasure.
0: Uh, It's so interesting. I have a, a big book club that's kind of all over the United States and Come As You Are is our January book and i'm sure i join? Lying, right like everybody should read every woman should read it and it, it is so deep in the psyche and in the, what our internal wiring way, way beyond the mechanics of pleasure which is where i think a lot of people just get hung up maybe that that is the conversation which are what goes where and what's the technique and you know what's what are the tricks but there's just so much more to it that brings it all alive. Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing us with free samples. Guys, it's already allergy season in Texas. My yard is in full bloom and all the things are in the air. So I decided allergies will not win this year. So I tried Astapro. It has improved my nasal allergy symptoms and it's faster, bro. So get fast acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to Astaproallergy.com for a discount. So you can Astapro and go, you guys, today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. Use as directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. Astapro and go. Let's go back one further step because I think for a lot of us, women particularly, but I think this applies to a lot of men too. Maybe the way that we were raised, our type of community that we came up through, or even school. Most women, I know, I mean, I can a hundred percent vouch for this, me and my friends, because we talk about sex all the time. Nobody ever suggested to us that it was important or valuable to find out what turns us on, ever. Like that was nothing that was ever suggested to us. In fact, it was kind of the opposite. A lot of us came up feeling like this is not something good girls say. We do not have this conversation. We do not prioritize our own pleasure. That is naughty or something about that is dirty. And so I'd like to hear you talk about from your side, on the development side, on the research side, what are the primary barriers that you encounter in your work, and then of course with your clients and consumers that we tend to have within ourselves when it comes to exploring what turns us on and making a lot of room in our sort of sexual experience for your kind of product.
1: Oh man, this could take us, we could spend 12 hours talking about this. I think so real. First of all, what I will say is I think one of the things that holds us back the most, and what I see most consistently from the users that we talk to, the Dipsy users that we talk to, is that there isn't necessarily like one thing that consistently holds people back or one thing that people really love and find pleasure in the most because sexuality is so diverse. Our experiences of sexuality are so diverse. We come with our own baggage. We come with our own shame. We come with our own history. And we also come with our own desires, experiences, first kisses, you name it, like our stories. We all come with different things. And so while there are maybe patterns, I think one of the things that people feel really afraid of is like something about me must not be normal. Mm, And so that's a huge one. It's like, I'm afraid to express my vulnerability or to explore because I'm afraid that I might uncover something that makes me feel uncomfortably different. And no one wants to feel that way. And so I think that's a really big one. I think the idea of selfishness and selflessness is something that's really big for women in particular. This is, I think, probably a genderless thing too, to your point, but probably more so in women, which is anything that's just for me, that can't be good. I remember having a long conversation with my mom separate from sex completely about the concept of putting your oxygen mask on first. And I was like, I think I'm a better friend when I'm in a, in a better place. And so I put my own oxygen mask on first. My mom, who's a boomer, was like, well, what do you mean? What if you have a friend in need? You're not going to help that friend. And I was like, that's not, what I'm, that's not what I'm saying. I'm trying to say like, if I'm not in the, the place to help that friend, maybe someone else is better able to help that friend in that moment. But it was just a disconnect. And I think totally. it's the same disconnect, which is like, I don't get to come first. I mean, that's the title of the book. That's so funny. Like, I don't get to come first. And I think so pleasure is this word that even Dipsy has slow rolled into because people just think pleasure is innately selfish. And therefore, if it's selfish, it's wrong. And so that's a huge thing. I mean, I think Even in this idea of like, you should feel confident in yourself. You should wear the clothes that you want. Unsolicited advances are not a result of the clothes that you wear. These things that are like changing for us, like quickly, you know, in the last decade, I think there's like so much more like belief that women should be empowered to do what they want to do. There is still this feeling, I think that sex is about two people, not one. And that's to me a little backwards. Cause if you start, if you come to your relationship, you come to a relationship saying, I think I have a sense of what I like and I'd love to hear from you what you like that's a much more interesting conversation. Oh, let's just talk about you. Like, What do you need? And that's the subservience that I think a lot of people come into in their partnerships and then feel stuck. What do I do here? I'm not loving this. They want this. This feels bad. This feels sad versus starting with yourself.
0: So let's parse something out. I read an article over on Fox that described the Dipsy app and likened it to a health and wellness app. In fact, the writer said, think of Dipsy as a hornier headspace. <laughs> <laughs> I died. But this brings up an important point that I'd like to hear you speak into in case our listeners are wondering, what would you say is the difference between erotica, as your site presents it specifically, and pornography? Like, How were they different? And how are you super intentional with what you create and offer your customers?
1: Yes. Well, knowing who makes what you consume matters. It's hugely important. And so I appreciate the opportunity that you're giving me to be a face to this. Like I am someone who is coming with intent making this, right? And so, and that really matters a lot, but to start, I think you also are an Audre Lorde devotee. Is that true? Uh-huh. So- okay. So, Audre Lorde is this amazing kind of feminist philosopher from the 70s. And she has this quote that I absolutely love that says that pornography emphasizes sensation without feeling. And to me, erotica is a counterpoint to that, in that erotica focuses on emotion, human connection, chemistry, vulnerability. And so, even in a Dipsy story that is 90% sex, so way more sex than story, the sex is still related. People are asking for consent. They are expressing their desires vulnerably. There's curiosity with one another. And so all those things are different than the pornographic presentation of bodies in motion, <laughs> to put it oh, like right. as it's like simply as possible. But I think the question gets way bigger when you talk about, again, like the institutional stuff that's happening with, that shapes our understanding of sex. These like forces that be that we probably don't think about that often. And unfortunately, Dipsy, which I think about all the time because we try and get our product in front of you and platforms ban us or things happen. Oh, and so,
0: sure. Of course. And
1: so like we're really aware of these institutional barriers that I think if every you know everyone knew about, it would be pretty illuminating as to like why they feel and know what they know <laughs> and what they what they feel. So one of the big ones is, you know, Apple's policy on content infamously is I'll know it when I see it. Like literally, like one of the biggest companies in the world, Apple. Their policy on pornography is I'll know it when I see it. That's right. (laughs) And you're like, what? Like, what lawyer allowed that to happen? Totally. It's crazy. But the reason for that is so that they have the optionality to pull whatever they want off because it's sticky and uncomfortable and taboo and whatever it is. And so, the definitions that I've seen kind of institutionally come up with pornography is one, it's intent. It's intended to arouse someone. Two, it's the medium. It's visually graphic. It's a visual medium. And three, it's how it's produced, that there are sex workers having sex to produce pornography. And so tipsy is intended to arouse people. So it hits number one, but it doesn't use sex workers to produce the content and it isn't a visual medium. So definitionally, I think there's a, there's a, there are differences there between erotic and Pornography. But I think the third layer that matters the most back to like who makes it is like the ethics of how it's produced. Totally. So at Dipsy, we don't have sex happening in the making of our content. We have voice actors. And those voice actors are recording all over the world in booths and studios. And they're directed by really caring directors on the Dipsy side who are making them feel comfortable in those spaces. And then we have, you know, Lulu and Francis being recorded in these different rooms. (laughs) Sort of made up names. Weird ones. And they things together (laughs) to make them seem like they're in the same room together. And not only are we doing that as part of the practice of how we want to produce it, we're making sure that those, the network, the pool that we're using of voice actors is not only really talented, that it's representative. Those are people that sound like the world around us. You know, like we're making sure that we're hitting census benchmarks of how much race and ethnicity is represented in our storytelling. That matters because if we hear ourselves in these stories, again, we feel more normal and we feel less alone and it feels less scary. And so these are all ways that we take pains to be ethical there's no way to be perfect. We have to certainly realize that, but that is, those are ways that we try and be ethical. And that matters a lot in this space where ethics historically haven't been part of
0: the conversation. Absolutely. So interesting. Good for you. This is really fascinating innovation. I would love to hear you talk about how, you figured this out. So you're at the table, your second bottle of wine, it's three in the morning. You're like, there's a missing piece in the market here. What we should do is create an audio app with <laughs> tellings, like, how did this it's happen? Perfect, right? and, and then how do you do it? Like, I mean, you you guys came from absolutely disparate careers. Like, it's not like you had, hey, I'll just call my, my voice. Over actor network. I mean, you started from absolute scratch here. So did you have any false starts? Did you have any like, what is this even going to look like? What are we even going to do? And then how did you develop your process for what you have now?
1: Oh my god, this question's so fun because it goes back to like the beginning. Like we have all these stories of men in garages starting their products. We don't have a lot of stories about women in their kitchens, but this is a women yeah, in their right. kitchen story. And so it was Faye and I in that same kitchen unplugging her fridge because fridges are noisy. Did you know that? I didn't know that. <laughs> unplugging her fridge, recording a friend who is a talented actor, not a voice actor, but an actor, blankets everywhere to be sound protecting. Faye's acting as sound engineer, I'm acting as director. Faye and I both acting as writer. We both love to write. We're not professional writers. So
0: you wrote the original We wrote the originals.
1: Uh We never voiced any because we didn't want to traumatize our friends who were beta testers. (laughs) Totally. (laughs) But we did write some of them. And so, yeah, the false starts were like all of the things, you know, the fridge being loud, not plugging it back in. We've ruined all of her roommates' food for one week. You know, like Mm -hmm. the false starts are these sweet stories that I, I can't believe were the beginning of Dipsy, but were the beginning of Dipsy because we needed to prove to people that this was a real thing that you might want to listen to. Like I can speak... Into your ear for hours, telling you how cool audio erotica is. Until you listen to it, you don't know what I'm talking about, right? And so we need to make the thing. But I think like the core intuition at the beginning of this is connects to your question about what erotica is, and it's storytelling around sexuality. Like we believed that the the date that it surprises you, and maybe another person comes into the mix that that's surprising, and it makes you realize that you feel some sort of feeling of jealousy, and maybe you actually like them more than you thought, and all of that is as sexy as the sex itself. And so we kind of had this core idea that storytelling is the most powerful tool we have for inspiration and empowerment and arousal. And of course, like for normalizing things, like making consent feel really normal, like modeling stuff that seems really hard when you read it in a blog post, like, okay, ask at this time in this way. And you're like, oh my God, how am I going to do that? You hear it in a story and it doesn't seem that scary. So we had this strong idea that storytelling would work. And we were really excited by audio as a medium, partly because of Headspace, like Headspace was blowing up in 2018. And it was changing how people felt, not just for those 15 minutes that they were listening, but for the day. And we wanted people to listen to Dipsy and like feel sexier, you know, like walk out the door with like a swagger and like maybe go on a date feeling more excited and less shy. You know, how can we change how people felt? So we thought that audio is this incredible, like imaginative medium that could be so personal, but also just like would really drop you into a space. So you could kind of forget your worries, forget your stress, and like tune in. So these are all things that have stayed true the entire time. I don't know if that's luck. I don't know if that's insight, some magical combination of the two probably, but you know, something that I say a lot is we so obviously understand how storytelling teaches in certain contexts. So like if I'm teaching a five-year-old about morality, I'm going to read them Aesop's fables. It's like a really clear way of explaining that. And if I want to teach college students and high school students about empathy, I'm going to have them read classic fiction well, we can teach adults about sex through storytelling. Like Dipsy isn't an education platform, but it's the, the feedback that we get most excited about. That is now like the thing that Faye, that you know, gets Faye and I up in the morning is people saying like, not only does Dipsy turn me on, like, thank you for connecting me with pleasure, but also, wow, like I was really f- afraid to get back into the dating world. And like, this is getting me out there. Or I have a beautiful relationship with my husband and we are so happy, but We're not going to have a threesome ever. We don't want to, but I like to think about it. And so it's fun to have a separate world, separate from him that I get to enjoy just for me. Like those stories are incredible. Those are relationally changing, you know, experiences for people. And so I think as we got feedback that helped us understand what this could be and what this was doing for people, you get to course correct a little bit, right? We want more stories like this. That'll be important for people and get smarter and better what we do.
0: So, thinking through this very kind of personal experience that people are having with Dipsy, I'd like to hear, and you've mentioned it briefly, but I'd like to hear you talk about the implications of self agency here. Like when we engage our own minds, our own imaginations, our own desires in our sex lives, to whatever degree we are partnered or not, and how this maybe could, contrast with the idea of putting the full responsibility on our partner for making sex great for us. Right. So I think there's a lot to be gained here. And I'd like to hear you talk about that, that sort of like
1: self-initiative here. Yes. This is one of my favorite topics. So there's different ways to like engage with and create and co-create the behaviors that you want in a relationship. And so I feel really like encouraged and inspired by that. Like I am part of this ecosystem and so I can change this ecosystem. And I think a lot of the sadness that comes up in relationships is when you feel like you're just waiting for someone else to change and you feel really like stuck and stymied. Like, I don't think this is going to change. And I feel really sad. And I think the sex is kind of the same thing in relationships where like, we're kind of waiting for someone to like make it great. Like maybe one day they'll come home with like a fun toy and like, it'll just change everything. Or maybe one day, I'll just, you know, be the weight that I want to be and that'll change everything. And like, we just, we're waiting for this, this thing to change. And I think that leaves us waiting. And so I think probably the biggest barrier to great pleasure in your life, like, you know, what, how do I define a good sex life? It's not having sex like a certain number of times a week. It's not even having sex with your partner, you know, necessarily like with any sort of like frequency or acrobatics or like curiosity or anything like that. Just feeling like satisfied with your experience of like your own body and your connection to your partner and whatever that means to you. And so I think that it's really empowering to start with yourself because you're fully in control. And so I always say, like, solo sex is sex too. It's not like the worst version, it's not like the lonely version, it's not the shameful version. It's you figuring out how you like to be touched, what you like to think about you know, what it means to set up an environment for yourself that feels great for you. Like you're more likely to do that when it's just you, like you dim the lights for yourself in a way that you might not dim the lights for you too. So what do you like? And so starting there, I think feels really exciting because first of all, you can have an amazing experience with yourself and totally tap into pleasure and not require anyone to be there. So if you're single, like, it's not like you're waiting for someone to come into your life. Totally. But also if you're in partnership, that, that maybe makes you feel more turned on generally. And maybe the next time your partner initiates, You're less like, oh, and you're more like, oh, okay, fun. Like you have ownership in the experience of what is happening between the two of you. So I think like this major misconception about sex is like sex is about two people. Like sex is about you and what you bring and then about them and what they bring. And they're responsible for that experience and you're responsible for that experience. And you communicate to make sure you're on the same page. But thinking about it starting with you is a huge unlock, especially when you start to like let your brain do its thing, right? Like what, what do you like to think about? And I think, you know, something that you brought up earlier was really interesting is like, what are the things that hold people back? I think that people really struggle with the difference between what I want in real life and what I like to fantasize about. Thinking about sex as a mental experience is something that male gaze culture has never said before. And I think that's a pretty powerful unlock if you let it play out. Give yourself some time, some space. Think about what you like. Imagine. You know, daydream.
0: You guys, how important is sleep temperature? It's everything to me. And this is where ChiliPad by SleepMe comes in. Its mission is to elevate the quality of human life through cool sleep. The ChiliPad bed cooling system is your new bedtime solution. It lets you customize your sleeping environment to your optimal temperature, ensuring you fall asleep, stay asleep, and wake up refreshed. ChiliPad works with your existing mattress. It's a water-based mattress topper that continuously controls your bed temperature from 55 to 115 degrees. It's designed for one or two sleepers so if your partner likes to sleep at a different temperature or you only need it for one side of the bed, it still works. I just put this on top of my existing mattress and voila. So whether you're dealing with night sweats or simply seeking a better night's rest, Chili Pad is here to transform your existing mattress into a sanctuary of cool, relief, and comfort. Visit www.sleep.me slash FTL to get your Chili Pad and save up to $315 with code FTL. This offer is exclusively available for the love listeners, only for a limited time. So order it today with free shipping and try it out for 30 days. You can return it for free if you don't like it with your sleep trial. So visit www.sleep. That's S-L-E-E-P dot M-E slash F-T-L because every woman deserves to wake up feeling refreshed and ready to conquer the day ahead. Did you know more than 75% of Americans experience foot pain in their lifetime, but only 10% seek out a solution for that pain? Your feet don't have to hurt. So let me tell you about Superfeet. Superfeet has a wide range of insoles for every activity, every shoe, and every foot, from cushioned and flexible to firm and supportive. You can dial in your fit by taking their quick quiz online. Answer just a few short questions, and Superfeet will recommend the best insole choice for you. Foot biomechanics may be complex, but solving foot pain should be simple. So when you add the signature orthotic shape of Superfeet insoles to your shoes, you give your feet comfort and support where they need it most, helping redistribute forces to reduce stress and strain on your entire body, not just your feet. When your feet feel good, so do you. Your foot health is an important part of your overall well-being. Visit superfeet.com and enter the promo code FTL at checkout for 15% off your first order plus free shipping. So, like heading down that road of really like handing the keys to our imagination and letting them run a little wild in using erotic audio stories like Dipsy Provides. Does this kind of, in a good way, like slow the process of pleasure sort of down for us? And if it does, is that good? Why could that be a benefit? This sort of like, let's not just get from A to B as quickly as possible or perfunctory, you know, or just simply because that's something we know our partner wants. Like, what is it that this is providing our brains, our imaginations, our thoughts, our fantasies that serve us both well?
1: that's so interesting. Like the idea of slowing it down. I don't know if I've ever thought about it in exactly that way, but I do think it's really interesting that people crush themselves to get to orgasm. <laughs> like it is totally. like, It is like a goal oriented, get to the finish line. Absolutely. Thing. And Dipsy definitely helps with that. And I can say that not because I believe that, but because people tell us that. For sure. So that is definitely a part of the equation. But I think, it's really interesting to think about like why, why Dipsy works. I think a large part of it is, you know, like I said earlier, our, our ideas of what we like and what we like to fantasize about are, are different. And so when you see something like really explicit and specific on screen, as an example, but also in your regular life, you know, like the boxers, your partner is wearing the bra your partner's wearing, whatever, like you're having a reaction to that. And in your fantasy life and an audio, you get to imagine exactly what you want. It's like perfectly you. And that is really freeing because you allow yourself to kind of like lay a reality on top of a blueprint that we give you. And that includes things like body type, you know, like where they are in the world. I think that that all matters to us. So I think that that is a really cool mechanism to let our brakes be pushed on less hard. Because like, as we go back to the dual control model of sexual response, which Emily Nagoski talks about. We have an accelerator, like our partner says something sexy and we're like, Oh, like, I like that. Or like, we feel really hot. We like worked out that morning or something. We're like, endorphins are rushing. Cool. Accelerator. But then reminder of a trauma, bad lighting. Like there are all sorts, big, small, there are all sorts of breaks. And those can happen at the same time. It's like, you're internalizing the subconscious set of ideas about what you might say, what you might ask for, how you might do that that makes us feel empowered. You know, this isn't so awkward and sex can be awkward. Sex is awkward. You know, it Mm -hmm. it is, but it can be less.
0: So good. I'd love to hear from you. I mean, now that this has been on the ground long enough, you've got data and you've got analytics to observe and your users are communicating to you what it is they like and want based on the way that they use the app. And so do you notice in general, oh, our users tend to like this kind of storyline, this one's really popular, or this one's really popular, or this scenario keeps like working. This one gets downloaded like three times as much as another one. Like, what are you noticing in terms of just like trends of desire?
1: Yeah. So a big one is that people tend to like storylines where the hunky character, we call them hunks in our world, like gender agnostic. They're all hunks to us. (laughs) Um, that where the hunk is more dominant. And mm -hmm. that's not universal, but that is a strong trend. And if I were to lay a story on top of that, (laughs) which I will right now, we're all flooded in our lives. There's so much to do so much to be on top of. We have kids to take care of. We have jobs to do right. We have parents to take care of. You name it. We've got stuff going on. And we're like, say the right thing, do the right thing. You tell me what to do. And that's sex is a beautiful playground to play out our desires like that, right? Like our desires are reflections and mirrors of what's happening in our own lives too. That's true. And so we see that a lot where people are like, oh, I just love feeling like I don't have to make any decisions. And so that's a strong one.
0: Absolutely. Also just worth absolutely mentioning here for anybody else that's listening is you've worked really hard to be pretty inclusive so however your user comes to you whatever sort of however they identify whatever their orientation is even whatever their fantasy is if it's outside like kind of a traditional structure you've made a lot of room for a lot of disparate experiences right as people sort of come into your your space.
1: Yeah. Right off the bat, there's a quiz for you. You know, Do you want to listen to her plus him content? Do you want to listen to her plus her content? Do you want to listen to both? Would you be interested in threesome content? You might not know all those things, but you can tap them all if you want, if you're curious. Or if you know exactly what you want, amazing. But there's a perspective that we start from the outset, which is like, it's all here. And what we'll help you do is find what makes you feel comfortable. And so like if infidelity is a storyline that really is terrible for you, it brings up bad memories, we want to make sure that you never have to listen to a story like that. And someone else is like, oh, that's such a fun fantasy. It's not something I ever want to act on, but it's a fantasy for me. Great. We help you find it. And so that inclusivity means that we try not to yuck anyone's yum. And also that we help you to avoid things that just aren't for you because everyone's got things that aren't for them. So that inclusivity comes with what my co-founder builds, which is like a really powerful recommendation engine that should do a really good job of getting you stuff that you feel good about.
0: And more or less, how long are the stories If people are thinking, how much time can I devote to my like erotica in my AirPods? How long should, should people expect these to be?
1: Yeah, they're bite-sized. So they range from like seven minutes to 25 minutes. Most of them are like 15 and they're episodic. So if you love a character, you can follow them for multiple episodes. And we have stories where we say like, get intimate with Killian, get intimate with... Freddie, get intimate with Juliet, where the character talks directly to you. So once you decide that you like a character, you get to have a kind of one-on-one relationship with them. And something that I think is really cool too, is we take those characters into sleep. So you might be used to sleep content in like a calm or a headspace where it's like just soothing noise or soothing sounds of someone talking or reading a book. Our content tends to be more comfort driven. Like I like the sound of someone pitter pattering in the room next door, you know, it makes me feel safe. And so, you know, if a character is a guitar player, maybe they're like subtly riffing on the porch outside. Or if someone is a chef, maybe they're like putting away the plates while you go to sleep. It's like very, very sweet to kind of continue your time with those characters. And I think it's pretty different from what else is out there.
0: What are you dreaming up right now for the space or an ancillary space? What are you working on innovating? What's like the next frontier? Because obviously this has been like wildly successful and you have absolutely like hit a hot button, literally, you've got to be thinking about like how to like continue or expand or add.
1: Yeah. One thing that I'm really excited about and our team is doing such a good job of is expanding our presence on TikTok because there are younger people there. And so like 18 to 24 year old people are really excited when they find Dipsy because they're like, oh my God, like my learning is unlocked. Like I've achieved, unlocked a new level. I've achieved a new level of like putting myself out there, trying something new, understanding my own sexuality. So being on TikTok is a really cool educational opportunity. Like the reach is wild. TikTok is just, it's incredible. So that's been really cool like how can we take some of the things that we know and just make them broadly available even if you don't become a user so Gen Z is exciting all of us at Dipsy that is definitely true and then I think thinking about ways that we can tell more types of stories that again like judgment-free turn people on in all of their places so we had this like general philosophy that our stories will be like aspirational realism like it could happen to you could meet me cute on a subway like a a friend introduces you to whoever and that's kind of the vibe of Dipsy they sound pretty real but we did our first ever vampire series this quarter because everyone loves vampire stories and we do. were like okay this is a little bit of a risk for us it's different but people love it it still feels like Dipsy but it's a little mysterious and so it's been fun for us to play with format and we have a really fun format coming out that I think people are going to love
0: and you would say i think i know what you would say here but obviously this was you guys are the creators and you are young and vibrant and you understand your generation like so deeply but would you say that this would work for users like across the age spectrum too? Like older yes, women can it come you, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, absolutely. I think that one of the things that surprised us the most about Dipsy is that the users that we have span so such big spectrums. We have users that are 18. We have users that are 60. We have plenty of users that are specifically 25 to 35 is kind of sweet spot Dipsy listener. So 50% of people who listen to Dipsy are married. I think a lot of people are like, oh, it's a tool for single people. Nope. Tons of married people. So like, it's surprising how many types of people find this so valuable. And then I think, you know, even international folks, like it's an English first platform, but we still have users all over the place, which is so cool. So yes, it is cool in many ways, sex in your earliest years, is just like, cool, sex, fun. And then as you get older, you're like, what do I really want? And so like, we really want to be a tool for people who are evaluating for themselves. Like, Hey, here's where I am in my sexual journey. And like, maybe I want more. And we really want to serve that person.
0: I love this. Before we wrap it up here, I think I'd like to just hear you talk about how engaging with a platform, with an app like Dipsy, that is obviously sort of anchored in people's sexual experiences and fantasies and imaginations, has sort of a rising tide effect on the rest of our lives. Like this, it's not just in a silo. I mean, it may start there. It may start just because people want more out of their sex life, but what are you seeing and experiencing with your users as this sort of permeates the other areas of their lives?
1: It's the question. I think in our relational lives, sex is so misunderstood as a buoy that makes us feel happy and fulfilled and connected to the people that we love to the partners that we love, but also the people that we love. Are we talking with realism to our friends about what's going on in our lives? Normalization is a rising tide. It takes a long time for things to start to feel normal. And normalization happens in all sorts of ways. I feel comfortable telling my friend that I listen to Dipsy and I recommend it. And we see that happening. I think something like 85% of people have already told a friend that they use Dipsy. So it's like something that people feel safe sharing with their friends. That is starting to change what we think is, again, normal is like, dirty word, normal, because we're all normal. We're all normal for being not normal. (laughs) And so I think that that is hugely important that people are having active conversation and don't feel like it's a topic that needs to be kept in the shadows. I think it's incredibly powerful to think about sex as something in our life that we can nurture and that the empowerment that we feel in that space kind of bleeds out into other spaces in our life. And that is multi-directional. But if you're feeling like really empowered in that space, you're more likely to assert yourself in the workplace. And you're more likely to ask for what you want from your partner. And you're more likely to walk down the street and feel like, wow, like people are really reacting to me so positively. Like the world is abundant. I have options and people are saying hello. And like, there's, there's some energetic force that comes from just feeling like the world is abundant. And I think sex is a huge part of that. So for us, the stories that are most exciting are like, this is changing how I feel in my life. I feel better. I was working through trauma and now I feel like I'm not just in a place where I worked through it. I'm now finding joy past it. Like, those are the stories that are really the most incredible ones for us at Dipsy.
0: That is fantastic. Um, we could not end on a better note than that. And I find that to be true. That These areas of our life are interconnected and it's mindset related. And you start pulling the thread and it just gets sort of all interwoven in a wonderful way. And one area doesn't just impact the next but can heal it and increase it. And so I love that answer. Okay. Last question, Gina. This is a question that I ask every guest and every series. And I borrowed this question from a from another woman that I love, but You can answer this literally however you want to. You can answer it with like a lot of earnestness or absurdity. And we get every kind of answer and we love them all. Perfect. Her question is, what is saving your life right now?
1: Okay. So it's really funny that you ask this because I saw recently online that you are an Enneagram three. Is that correct? Oh,
0: textbook. I always say I'm a three with a three wing. Yes,
1: exactly. It's just like (laughs) Uh deep three. Uh, Mm -hmm. I'm a one. Yeah. And knowing that about myself has saved me the last oh, two years. Yeah. Oh my gosh! Where I feel I'm so much less hard on myself around what motivates me. I have more of a sense of like why I feel angry or itchy in a moment. I'm like, oh, that's why you're feeling angry or itchy about this. And the self-soothe cycle isn't like three days later. We're like, I could have said that, and like it could have been better. It's like it's starting to happen earlier. So Enneagram has been a hugely wildly powerful tool for me in understanding myself. I've become like the benefactor in my friend group of Enneagram. I have like a little, little fund for Enneagram. So if anyone in my friend group wants to do the test, I will pay for it so that we can talk about it together. (laughs) That like gives me
0: such joy and happiness because
1: I am the exact
0: same. I'm an evangelist because it served me so well. I just self-awareness is underrated and it eliminated a lot of shame for me figuring out, Oh, that's, that is why I do that. That is why I feel the way I feel. And it's not defective. It's just how I am. That's how I'm wired and help me catch like red flags sooner. And I, I completely agree. I love that answer, by the way. Absolutely love it. Instagram is so useful. Okay, now 100% people are going to have heard this episode and they're like, where's the download button for this yep. app? Yep, so yep. can you tell everybody where's the best and the easiest place to find out more about Dipsy about you and your company, you and your business partner, all of it.
1: Yeah. So if you want to head to dipsystories.com, so that's D-I-P-S-E-A stories.com, you can learn about us, learn our backstory, see what kind of content we offer, or you can head straight to the app store because you already know that you want it. Head <laughs> straight to the app store, D-I-P-S-E-A or the Play Store for Google. One thing I'll say, Jen, is I would love to give a code to your community. So I'm gonna create Great. another one right now where you can. If you want to head to Dipsy Stories, D-I-P-S-E-A stories.com slash Jen Hatmaker, we'll have a code for you so you can explore around and see if it's right for you. I also recently did a TED Talk that is on sex and the imagination. It's pretty short. It's nine minutes long. If you want to get a better sense for what you can do in your own practice, separate from listening to Dipsy, to kind of nurture your erotic imagination, I definitely recommend checking that out too.
0: That's perfect. You guys, we will link all of this over at JenHatMaker.com. Every single thing that Gina just mentioned, we will have in one spot for you so you can find it. And I can't wait to hear your feedback on it. All right, Gina, have an awesome day. Thanks for being on today.
1: Thanks for having me. Bye.
0: All right, you guys use that code that Gina just mentioned. If you want to give the Dipsy app a try, I can't wait to hear what you think about this one. I think this is just a really great conversation to have and utilizing the power of our minds and our imaginations to improve and increase and expand and enjoy our sex lives is like such a fun conversation. We have a lot packed into this series on sex that we want to put into your hands and give you a place to learn and listen and prioritize your own bodies and your own pleasure and your own sexual experiences. And we are going to continue with even more episodes that you're totally gonna love and maybe don't listen with your kids around. I don't know. So if you go to ginhatmaker.com under the podcast tab, we'll have all this over there. Everything about Dipsy and links and the code that you can use, a discount code for the app and anything else that we can think to give you. So head over there for a one-stop shop. All right, you guys let go 2023 coming in hot <laughs> more to come in the sex series. You guys, you're not going to want to miss a single episode. See you next week.